Cause I'm faded. Faded. Uh, so this is finally happening. Yep, we're here. It's been like, okay, I wrote this down. Nine weeks ago. What? No. Nine, nine weeks ago. You're like, yeah, let's podcast. Oh my God. Yeah, it was nine weeks ago. Everything's just a blur. I feel like it was like two weeks ago. No, two weeks ago, I actually saw you in person. Dude, what? That was three weeks ago. No, wait. Yeah, three weeks ago. Three weeks ago, I saw you in person. Oh my God, I'm about to go into another existential crisis. I don't, there's no need to be existential. I can have plenty of in-person crises. But what is person and what is not? Okay, okay, yeah, no, no, you're, you're gonna start, don't start arguing simulation this early, I can't handle that yet, uh, okay. yeah. all right, well, Closet of Nonsense, season three, you are the season opener, wow, Just, yeah, well, we spent a whole lot of time prepping for this, and this is ironic, because I have episodes two, three, and five already recorded, Okay. Yeah. I'm not gonna try to. I'm not gonna try to put that together in my mind. Right well, now. it was. It would, try try to explain it to Jobin or Skyler. Because they they literally like wait, but how do we have? And how did? And you did what? <laughs> I feel like this is like a Star Wars thing. Like yeah, you basically, talking. it's it's I'm I'm creating backstory for my own podcast, which is getting really <laughs> fucking weird. Oh, so first God. and foremost. Do we just call you Ritual? Yeah, that's fine. Okay, is that just the easiest way to do it? Because seriously, okay, I know that you've like argued, argued and fought with yourself on this, but seriously, the name Ritual Suicide, come on, is there a cooler name? I know, no, yeah. <laughs> probably not. I mean, that's pretty dark, as you said. Uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> <Pretty> cool. <laughs> yeah, I like it a lot. So, okay, let's see. You've been on this podcast before, and we've discussed that the huge change in of the first one is about you moving to Hollywood and dealing with that. Mm -hmm. And the next one was living in Hollywood and dealing with your identity crisis. Oh, yeah. Now you're living back in Colorado, mm -hmm. and you have a whole new set of identity crises. <laughs> Life is just one long identity crisis, isn't yeah. it? Well, okay. As a performer, as an artist, we identify with a persona. Yeah. Okay. So your persona has changed with your lifestyle. It has changed with your musical taste. It has changed with your relationship status. What's changing it now? Um, I think not living in Hollywood anymore has changed it. I think going to therapy and diving deep into my life patterns has changed it. Um, I think breaking free of a lot of like high controlled groups that I was in has changed it. And really just being to being able to sit in Colorado with the quiet and think about what I really like. Like, I don't think I've really ever done that before. It's always been, what should I like so I fit in? Or what should I show that I like so that other people will like what I, you know, it was always just about everything besides what I truly like. So 
um, I would say that that's really changed my identity at this point. Well, I think that there's, all of that is true, but there's also like one other big thing that I think that you kind of, it's become so much a part of you. I don't think you notice it, but you're a mom. I'm a Mills now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a big part of it. Yeah, and and that, this is the thing. I remember you being so scared. Mm. I feel really, really lucky. And I don't know how, if you, if I'm okay to even say this, but I'm one of the first people you told. Yeah. And, and, and I had to hold that secret for a fucking long time. And I'm not good at that. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm good at keeping secrets when it's like dark shit or like, I don't want anybody to know because I'm embarrassed. That's, but when it's good news, I have a really hard time holding on to that. Like it's really fucking tough for me. So you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the big things that I look at with that is, is that you were so scared yeah I'm gonna fuck this up and I don't know how to do this and what am I supposed to do and I'm like nobody knows yeah my oldest is 21 years old I still <laughs> panic every fucking day every fucking day about my <laughs> day with yeah it, I mean, it doesn't go away oh thank you that's really reassuring <laughs> <laughs> you call my dad my dad is I mean can you imagine being my parents no I can't I, mean, I can only imagine you don't want to imagine that's like a horror story in a sci-fi flick and like some kind of weird like yeah it, it's it's a bad 80s movie with a horrible ending that probably starred scott bale or something it's a bad idea being my parents so i, I i'm lucky that my dad's not only still in my life but like my staunchest supporter yeah but that's just it is i mean and and you know i'm i'm 43 and my dad still every once just shakes his head and like man how are you still alive I don't know. <laughs> but that's the beauty of it is that you 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 learn that and become such a part of who you are. And it's yeah. hard. Okay. Addiction is the same thing. And I know you really okay. When you're talking to a person about addiction, unless you've been there, you you can't relate. Right. Parenthood's the same thing. Yeah. You think I, you get it until you're actually a parent and you're like, oh shit. Oops. Yeah, totally. Um, as my child screams in the background. <laughs> yeah. All right, your child has a metal scream, and I like it. Yeah, she's preparing for um, her future in a death metal band. Yeah, well, she has excellent taste in music, so that helps. <laughs> Seriously though, like how how much of you being a parent? Because I know you felt for a while like it was holding you back, but how mm -hmm. much do you really view it now, like as a as a strength? Um. It's definitely made me a stronger person. My, I mean, in a lot of ways, the first thing that comes to mind is like my bullshit tolerance meter is like, there is no tolerance anymore. Um, I think especially having a daughter, <laughs> um, a little girl and seeing, you know, through my eyes, just a, a female, bringing a female into the world. I think we've talked about it before. Like it was the universe's like, ha ha, here you go. <laughs> Here's your karma. Um, just because everything, I didn't really have parents that influenced my life in a positive way. I saw a lot of shit I didn't want to be. So I think that's what was so scary about being a parent to me. Um, but I feel like being able to guide a little girl and just 
it's made me change a lot of the things that I tolerate. Like, I don't tolerate men treating me like shit. I don't tolerate um, bullshit. I, you know, I, I'm rambling here, but it's changed a lot. I don't and it's, it's rambling. I, I, the, it's a tough time to bring a girl into the world. Yeah. In the United States. It's, it's a tough time. We live in a sad, sad state of affairs in the United States right now. And, and I, you know, I've always joked that when I had daughters, it was the first time I understood that whole, like, take your daughter, put her in a tower, guard it with a fucking dragon. And I mean, I get it. Mm -hmm. But even more so now, like, my heart aches because there's so many rights and so many things that are being taken away from women in this country that I, I just don't feel okay about it. And I, I look at, particularly my youngest daughter, who's just kind of coming into her own and she's struggling with it. She's struggling with the idea of, you know, she has me who I'm not her dad, but I'm the dad she's known. Uh, her mom, who's openly bisexual and has been in relationships equally with men and women and has been okay with that. And now there's so many situations that she looks at just, just that, just that stigma of having this exploded family and now she has her own personal relationships and future and and sexual identity and things to consider i i hate it and i just i, I but i but i'm not in a position i'm one of those people that i i don't feel like i have any right to even talk about it because mm -hmm. i have a penis well the fact that you advocate for women and their autonomy it is a lot it just it sets you apart from a lot of dudes. And I think that I would like to hope, I mean, my scope of pe men that I keep in my life are like people like you, which are people that advocate for women's strength and autonomy. So I would like to think that more men are getting on board with like empowering females. <laughs> I would like to think that. I, just I, I, I wish that were true. And, and to be fair, there's a few people that, that I didn't expect People that I, very conservative friends of mine, people that are that are like, holy shit, this is backwards. This is wrong. Um, particularly Roe versus Wade. Mm. They're, they're pissed. And there are people that I didn't expect to be upset. I was like, oh, shit, okay, cool. Like, But there's other people that they don't care. Yeah. And I guess that's the thing. Like, I remember during, during the last election, I was watching... And, and of course, I guess I should preface this. I, when I do talk politics on, on podcast in particular or anything, everybody thinks they understand I'm this bleeding heart liberal or I'm this, and, and they don't get uh, that there's some things I'm very conservative on. There's some things I'm very liberal on. There's some things where I'm like, I don't feel like I've earned the right to have an opinion yet. Um, that's just how it is. So for me, it's, it's everything is, is it's very situational. Yeah. And even that can go like there's 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 a gray area in every situation. So I I remember during the last major election watching people just not a just not give a shit and then be mad about the outcome or even just the people who were kind of like openly racist and openly misogynistic and sexist. I was like why is this being tolerated? How is this okay? And then you watch it again now what's gone on. It's like it's it's how are people not staying angry? Right. 
yeah. and staying aware. And how how is it that we have so many people that just don't seem to, oh, it doesn't affect me, so I don't care. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, that feels like this idea of if I ignore it long enough, it'll fix itself. Well, yeah, I think that the, there used to be that phrase of like ignorance is bliss. And I think maybe it served a purpose at one point, but it's not anymore because the more we stay ignorant, the less or the more slowly things are going to change. It's not bliss because it's gone to the point where ignorance has gotten out of hand and now there's people suffering the consequences of it. So it's not bliss anymore. And it's like if, you know, if one if the water starts or as the rainforest starts to get chopped down for a minute, like, yeah, maybe it's like creating some good perceived good, but like eventually it's going to get out of hand and the rainforests are going to be gone. Like there, people need balance. <laughs> people need balance and awareness yeah. more than ever. It's like these, and it starts with us. I think, you know, it, it starts with being balanced and being aware and not being afraid to stand up for what you believe in in a time where like cancel culture is such a thing, like you say one thing that you believe in and if people don't agree with you, they cancel the shit out of you. I think that needs to stop. I think people need to be brave and open enough to have debates. And and that's what I think. <laughs> well, I guess my problem with that is, is, is I've never believed that ignorance was bliss. I don't like the rose colored glasses attitude. And I don't know if that's just because I'm such a negative asshole or because I'm jaded or because I've just always kind of been able to see through it. I don't know what, I don't remember a time when I ever just wanted to believe in the good in things. I always want to believe in the truth of things. And that isn't to say that I don't believe in, I mean, obviously we've talked, how many times we've talked about the paranormal or the extraterrestrial or other different things. I mean, things that we can't prove that, I very much believe in because of personal witness or, or experience. Right. Obviously there's that, but ignorance I've defined as the willful inability to learn. It's where you're deciding not to know any better. Yeah. It's in the word ignore. Yeah. And, and for me, there's so much misinformation what what district are you in down there in the Springs? Are you, are you, is Lauren Boebert your representative too? Honestly, it's bad, but I'm not sure because I just moved here a few months ago. Okay, well, the difference in how I, I watch, and obviously I watch her because she's a rep and I'm embarrassed to admit to that, but I have watched the way she markets in Grand Junction. And then when I was down there a few weeks ago, when we were supposed to shoot and you got so sick, I went to Pueblo and her marketing down there, her, her at, and I call it marketing because it's not campaigning. It's marketing. Um, it's so different. Really? She picked a target market and went, well, here I look hot and sexy and I'm a gun wielding hot girl that's from this area. And then down there it's, I'm going to be there for you and I'm going to represent you properly. And it's, it's all misinformation. It's all this packaged lie. I mean, and when we have, you know, the Ted Cruz's of, of the world running our country. It, it's to me like those kinds of things. The fact that there are still people in this country that believe the big lie, that believe that the last election was stolen. Yeah. But but go back 
go back 20 years, you want to talk about a stolen election, Al Gore and George W. Bush. That was an actual stolen election. Mm. And the country just kind of lived with it. Mm. Because, oh, well, we don't know how to fix it. But because somebody who's a television star, because honestly, that's what Trump is, he's a TV star. He's not a politician. Mm-hmm. He found a way to get everybody riled up in the and and kind of in some ways this sounds fucked up, but I'm kind of grateful because it pointed out to a lot of people like as much as we felt better in the late 90s and the early aughts about racial equality and how far we'd come and all these things, Trump proves we didn't know. We haven't come far at all. We're yeah. still right at the, the the verge of segregation. If not worse. <laughs> if not worse, because now it's like, well, I feel like I can't even talk about it because of cancel culture, because of people being afraid to speak their mind. Yeah. And, and and I've always said, like, I've had, I've had friends who were skinheads. Mm. And there are things I will not tolerate that you talk about to me. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that I can't have a conversation with that person? Yeah, no. Absolutely not. There, yeah. I mean, if I'm discussing who has a better cheesesteak, I don't care who it comes from. <laughs> I want to know who's eating the damn cheesesteak. It's again, it's situational. And I guess that's been my biggest thing with I living as a, um, I mean, let's be honest. Yes, I'm Hispanic, but I'm Caucasian. I mean, I am. My dad is in some ways the epitome of white privilege. But then you look at my mom, who was raised in California, very Hispanic, grew up that way. I've seen both sides of that culture. Mm-hmm. I can't, I've experienced some racism in my life, very small amounts. I can't imagine what it's like to be born into that and try and create an identity forever, not just for yourself, but for your children. Yeah, I, I can only imagine and I think that, that we're missing that. I think a lot of celebrities are missing that. I think a lot of people who are in a position where they, they should be advocating and should be speaking up and should be speaking on a, a positive platform, they're just not. Yeah, that's the frustrating thing is like, if you have a voice, <laughs> if you have a voice, literally, like some people don't, like people that can't advocate for themselves need someone to advocate for them. That's how we change things. And that's, that's the definition of live and let live, you know, like no one's living if there's some people that are not being advocated for. And my, I remember when like Black Lives Matters was starting to like be a bigger force and I was living in LA and I remember having conversations with people who, you know, were in the entertainment industry and they were like, I don't like this Black Lives Matters movement because I think all lives matter. I'm like, yeah, but black lives were marginalized and are marginalized to this day you know and I think like even saying the word black people didn't want to say it because it made them uncomfortable and it's like we need to bring light to these marginalized groups if anything's going to change because before we can all be one everyone needs a voice first otherwise no one's going to be equal well equality in itself is uh, a pipe dream yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, that's why communism doesn't work. That's why, I mean, we are, what in the ever fuck are you drinking? Sludge. And it, holy crap. I love that you're drinking it right out of the blender thing, too. 
that's commitment right there. Like, fuck this. I'm not dirty into the glass. I'm just flipping it over, pulling the blades off and sucking it down. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it a lot. I'm over here sucking down, I think, my 12th cup of coffee. So, and I got a Mountain Dew ready to go because the coffee's out. <laughs> so, you be healthy. I'll be caffeinated. We're somewhere in the middle. We'll be all right. Yeah. Um, no, the, the, the biggest thing, especially with, with Black Lives Matter is a great example in areas where like where people were most upset about that were the areas where they didn't realize they were the problem right the problem areas hollywood mm. uh, portland seattle places that you would think oh no no it's it's equal here it's equal no mm. if anything this proves you it's the it's the farce it's the it's the imaginary force field that we're creating on television that it's equal right racism is is taught yeah if you grab a bunch of babies under a year old and you throw them in they don't give a shit right about skin color or any of that they don't care about sex they literally just like do you have a toy that i want or do you have a bottle that i want and that's really what it boils down to right it's the simple basis human emotions and if we actually looked at our children and learned from that but no, we got to teach them other ways. Yeah, and that makes me want to full circle into the first question you asked, which was like, how has having a child changed me or made me stronger? And it's like what I learned from my kid. I feel like, you know, she's only 15 months old, but I've already learned so much from her and she can't even talk yet. I've learned more about humanity and patience and letting things just like, filter through me like a conduit versus like letting everything be a source of reaction um and and back to that just like what world do I want my kid to grow up in and I want it to be a world that's full of just acceptance and love I took my child to pride a few days ago and like I grew up in a family in a very Christian family that you know uh, demonized anyone who was part of the LGBTQ community. And so there's been a lot of like pain and trauma that came from that and watching like my closest friends, my trans friends and my, my gay best friend, like, you know, I don't want my kid to ever see hatred in those realms. Just, you know, well, but, you, but I, I know you've taken that next level and that you've done one of the hardest things is you've cut off some family and friends because of things like that. Yeah. I mean, you have I, to. We have to because I, if I've learned one thing in therapy over the f- past few years, it's that changing someone's core belief is one of the hardest things to do. And I'm, I just don't have the energy these days to like sit there and try to convince someone over and over and over again that they should just accept people for being themselves. Well, the thing is, it shouldn't be our job. I know. Like that, that's, I guess that's my, is I'm just, I'm tired. Yeah. I'm tired of fucking arguing with people when they really just, there is no, and, 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 and with some people they're worth the fight. Mm-hmm. There are, they're worth the fight, but there's, because they're so on that edge of seeing the truth or seeing the light or understanding something, but most yeah. people are, are locked in. And it, back when, back in the dark ages, when I was a corporate banker and shit, I used to talk about this all the time to families is that, who's your insurance agent? Who's your banker? Who's your, who's your doctor? And it's like, well, whoever my parents told me, 
Mm. Why the fuck would you do that? Right. That never made any sense to me. Like, of course, I also live because I'm I'm in that weird gap between the dot comers and the millennials and everything where we lived in an age where it's like, we turned 18 and basically it was like, oh, you're sick. I hope I don't die because I don't know how to call a doctor. Yeah. Now, now you can go online. But back then it was like, you literally had to like use the yellow pages and like research and most of us couldn't afford phone lines. And yeah, it was, it was stupid. <laughs> so, there's, there's, there's a way I, I look at that now and it sounds really ridiculous, but it's a truth. I mean, I, I think I went like six years not seeing a dentist simply because I didn't know how to get a hold of one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I relate. <laughs> I can relate. It's just like it's dumb shit like that. I don't know. I, I've also, though, I, I'm watching people now because there is so much misinformation or false information or, or marketable information that people are falling for the same old traps and the same old, oh, it's got to be the best. It's the shiniest. Yeah. I mean, that's happening a ton. So I, I guess that all kind of like ties back in to the same bullshit. I guess I don't understand why. And 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 this is just something that I've developed myself. Like I don't feel that it is my obligation to to change a person. Yeah. But it is still my duty to change a view around me. Right. That makes sense. It does. Yeah. Like like I I will you know you can think your own thing, but if I see an injustice, I'm gonna step in. Oh yeah. Like I, I can't help it. Even if it's just me making a snarky comment, nine times out of ten, it's just me being a fucking sarcastic piece of shit. That's what it is. But there's a reason comedians have a voice. Mm-hmm. It's because that sarcasm makes people go, wait, what? Right. Is that real? Right. I you know? know. I feel like I get most of my, like, real information from comedians. <laughs> well, I remember Jon Stewart, and they made, there was a movie made about it, about the same same concept with Robin Williams as the as the star and it was brilliantly done um where people really wanted Jon Stewart to step up and leave the Daily Show and actually be a politician run for some major office and I remember thinking god that's a horrible idea but we wouldn't have there would never in the history of the United States been more honesty in office yeah because because comedy is pretty honest right i was watching a russian comedian last night and he was joking he goes he literally is like the thing that kills me about how everybody looks at everybody else he goes is you look at it based on what 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 you perceive as a good thing italian food must be fantastic because the rest of the world just completely ignores they were nazis wow and he just said it and and everybody laughed and then he just kept looking at everybody and the guy (laughs) goes see what i mean (laughs) it was great and it was and it's because and it was the whole thing his whole thing started and the reason i watch him he can't he can't go home he doesn't believe in the russian war so he won't go home and he goes my whole family's cut me off i'm basically stuck five and diving in here cracking jokes to you people so i can eat wow you know waiting for hoping for asylum Mm. and he didn't say where he was but i mean it was obviously english speaking but it was one of those like it was it was pretty interesting and i think there's a lot of truth in that and and I understand Will Smith's a, a difficult con- concept right now. People don't like talking about him. But the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was one of the most honest views into 
that that show was so far ahead of its time and nobody realized it at the time. Mm-hmm. Because there were some things there that that for the first time there were middle Americans, particularly people my age, who saw what it was like to try and be black and be in an affluent neighborhood and still deal with the same bullshit. Wow, yeah. That was in the 90s. Right. Way ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. So I guess I just I'm trying to find if if I see something. Those those shows, those things, those people, those comments. If I see something that I view as wrong, I feel like I have to step in, even if it's just making a comment. Well, thank God people like you exist because it makes me think, you know, when we're kids and we stand up to bullies or we stand up for the underdog in school, like everyone's so proud of us. But it seems like the older we get, if we stand up for someone who's, you know, being treated like shit it's not as accepted. It's almost like, oh, I, who are you to stand up for someone? Or it, it you know, it's- The world not... needs more Neville Longbottoms. Oh my God, I can't think of who that is. From 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 Harry Potter, Neville oh. Longbottom. He's the, the, for one, best transformation of a human being because he went from a goofy looking kid to a pretty attractive dude, for one. He really <laughs> did. His, his glow up was Pretty, pretty fucking spectacular. So I'll give him credit there. But the thing about Neville Longbottom that that everybody just kind of misses is that in the from the very first Harry Potter book and movie to the very end, he's everybody's conscience. Wow, I need really to watch this Potter again. Well, in the in the first one, he stands up to his friends because he's like, "You're going to get us in trouble again," and you know, and Hermione ends up freezing him, and he and so he doesn't get to stop them from going and causing more problems, which ultimately they solve a problem so it's good that he but he tried because he didn't want everybody to suffer for their bullshit Mm -hmm. and in the very end the the thing that a lot of people miss in those is that neville kills the last horcrux Mm -hmm. not harry not hermione not neville wow kills the last horcrux allowing harry to win wow and he's the one who stands up to voldemort He's the one who does the speech in the in the in the fucking court and saying, "Yeah, people die every day. It doesn't give us an excuse to not continue fighting for the right thing because it's the right thing, regardless of what we lose." Right. Love that. If we had ten thousand more people on this planet, like Neville Longbottom, the whole world would be a better place. Yeah. I'm goofy motherfucker, but inherently very good and and there's there i mean i have some personal heroes that that i don't talk about very very often but it's the same thing mm-hmm. like if you could meet one person from history that truly you felt not not as necessarily influenced you but changed your view on something alive or dead who would it be oh shit that's a hard question oh there's so many people that i would want to meet I mean, there's someone that I want to meet that's still alive. Does you that, say that it? Oh, does that count if they're still alive? Uh, of course. Okay, uh, RuPaul. I, okay, that that's a good one, actually. Yeah, I just think that RuPaul... I mean, just watching RuPaul's Drag Race, Not, I've always been accepting of everyone in the LGBTQ community, I'm pansexual, but just growing up in a Christian household, there was internalized homophobia that I don't even want to admit that I had, but I think a lot of people that grow up in Christian homes and 
dogmatic religious homes deal with this. And I think just watching RuPaul's Drag Race has helped me see how human everyone really is. And Absolutely. It's, it's healed me. It's healed me of a lot of that shit that I was taught. And RuPaul just creates this beautiful platform of just liberation and gives people a voice that didn't. And I just, the world should have more RuPaul's too. Uh, yeah, I, I was watching, um, there's a new season out. It's all stars, all winners. So RuPaul takes um, winners from other like all star seasons and they're all on one episode. So it's like, there's no drama. It's all very high caliber people. And on the last episode, you know, they usually win like $10,000 if they win a um, contest. And last week, they, the winner chose a charity and RuPaul donated $30,000 to that charity. And then they picked like six other charities and donated 10,000 each. And it was like, um, like charities for, they Planned Parenthood was one of them. And um, there was another charity where they donate like tampons to people that can't go to school because they can't afford feminine items. Like it was these very like marginalized, you know, areas that they were sending money to. And I'm like, wow, I love that. And it wasn't like a big deal. I was like, yeah, we're just going to send them some money. Like they didn't make it super flashy or anything like that. I just really love people that use their platform to make change in the world. It's like, why have a platform if you're not going to do that? Yeah. Well, there's people that use charity for tax write-offs or to make them so i mean don't don't show the video of you giving sandwiches to the homeless just go fucking do it right right you don't need to you don't need to put that on on and and that that like that attitude actually run a very good friendship of mine i i have i have a friend that i have not spoken to in years simply because she turned her her charity work for the homeless into publicity stunt and i just can't i have a hard time forgiving that Mm mm-hmm the only time I think it's okay is if the underlying tone is not like, look what I'm doing. I'm such a good person. <laughs> if you're if you're shining light on something, that's one thing. Yeah. But if you're making yourself the focus, no. Exactly. Like, yeah, I understand making it public if the attention's not on the person doing it because it shows other people that it's cool and it's it's good to go out into the community and help others, but it shouldn't be like a you know, holier than thou stunt in my opinion. Well, too often that's exactly what it is. It's a stunt. It's a publicity stunt. Yeah. And and I can't. And when you're watching large organizations shy away from that more and more, I, I think that that's. I think we'll see less and less of that. I mean, even the Roman Catholic Church is kind of like backing away from the the pomp and circumstance and kind of being like, wait, we we need to reset some things. That says some shit. Yeah. It took them a couple thousand years to catch up to society, but they're trying. There's you want when when people are actually stepping up and taking that that larger role. I think that the the individual taking advantage of look how great I am will go away. Yeah, we're still far away from it, but I think it's it's lessening. Yeah, I like to think that um, humanity as a whole is evolving. <laughs> That's my hope at the end of the day. It, it I, is, but evolution isn't always forward. It's not always progress. You got to remember well, that. Yeah, I just hope that there is more progress. I feel like I feel like a lot of enlightened people, and this is just my perception. I mean, there's a million, but I've noticed that a lot of enlightened people that I view as enlightened are having babies right now. 
And I don't know how vast that is, but I would like to think that there's more babies being born into families that are like progressive in a positive direction and that are going to be raised in that. Hopefully, uh, yielding more Neville Long buffies. <laughs> no, no, I, and, and, and I hope, I hope, I hope that's the case. I just, I, I'm, again, I'm, I'm a negative Nancy and, and I tend to think that. Yeah, I, I hope I, all I can do is hope and, and live that way. Right. It's like rebellious to live that way right now. It gives me anxiety. Well, yeah, but well, okay. Turning that, you you talk about anxiety. You talk about you you. Of course, I follow you on every fucking platform ever on, on all your various identities, and you you have this underlying posting positivity. Yeah. And there are days where I've spoken to you, and I know you're miserable and pissed off and scared and anxious and. Yet you're still sticking to the, I'm posting positive. I'm still doing, like, is that more for your own benefit? Or is that just because that's who what you want to put out there? Or so, it's both. I think that, honestly, I'm afraid these days to post certain things about, you know, freeing your mind or thinking outside the box or thinking for yourself or being positive because it's such a time where it's not celebrated. It's like, have like kind of what we were talking about earlier, having an opinion um, can set you up to be stoned pretty much or burned at the stake. Like, I don't know if I was a, a witch in my past life, but I have this underlying like anxiety that I'm going to be burned at the stake for just existing in many different um, realms because there are many facets to my identity that to, I think, an average civilian they wouldn't think that those things can coexist together. And all I can do is be positive and live my truth. And there, yeah, some days those messages are more messages for me um, that I just like to put out there. Um, but I want to spread that message to others also. Which, I mean, that's a good thing. No matter what, that's a good thing. I don't know. Um... One of the things that you you posted yesterday, just for is the the it's a repost the microdosing eternity by being present in each moment. Yeah, uh, we had that conversation a week ago. <laughs> We're sometimes just thinking about yourself and thinking about what you're doing is like being really, really, really high, and then recognizing that is it real? Is it not real? Is it? And I don't know. I to most people they would look at that and be like, "How oh, that's kind of funny," mm -hmm. but I know you. Yeah. And I know that that's a very literal statement. Yeah. And the person I reposted that from, I think it was the country clairvoyant is a, um, it's a Instagram account that I follow, which I love because kind of like the comedy thing, they post a lot of like esoteric wisdom, but they do it in a funny way. So I think it's more palatable to people that I think he said something once, like if you're not sitting back and watching the wind blow through the trees what are you even doing and I'm like that's hilarious like but it, it's a reminder to be present but people can people can palette things I think easy more easily when it, there's humor behind it um so I'm really loving that right now <laughs> um and yeah it I mean 
oh my God, talking about being present and what's real and what's not. I just did a three hour course on gestalt psychology and the concept that like how it ties into um, still frame like cartoons. It's like, what at what rate do we perceive reality? And like, what what is it like? I could go deep into this. But for the sake of your listeners, I don't know if we should go there. Okay, but but I will take this. I will actually take one step because because I've studied that myself. One of the things that, that got me about that is the idea of single frame and capturing moments and how we how we perceive. Perception now is so much faster. That is actually, in my opinion, why attention spans are so much shorter now. Yeah. Because everything's coming at us faster. Right. I mean, do you think anyone's listening to this point in our conversation? <laughs> there will be some, I guarantee you. Actually, have you seen the 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 Hulk movie with Eric Bana? No. And, okay. One of the things that they did with that is they they filmed that in in my opinion in a very comic booky way where there would be like here's your main screen and then it would shrink down into the corner and they'd bring another one up and then it would be showing both things at the same time and then you'd have another cutscene come in and they would take over. It was like watching a comic book in live action. Wow. And that movie tanked at the box office but has done very, very well in Netflix and Amazon and things like that to a younger audience because Mm -hmm. it was filmed in a way that it keeps them constantly looking around the screen and, oh, what's this and, oh, what's that? And that was two things and pause that and go back. What happened here? I was watching here and, you know, my my 16-year-old daughter with Down syndrome will sit and have her phone her tablet the tv all of it going at once while she's drawing or something like that and she's completely content and people look over at me doing the same thing where i've got the computer the tv and music phone i'm having internet and they're like oh my god you're like doing too much what are you doing she's doing the same shit but it's normal for a kid and it's because it stresses me out and she's just like this is just who i am thing that has changed and that is in some ways that's evolution yeah forced evolution in the last 25 years things have changed so drastically that i don't think anyone realizes yeah because technology is just going so damn fast i mean that's a huge part of it yeah. but our reactions to, te- to technology and our reactions to access I mean, we've talked about it a million times. Once you get to a certain level in the music world or in the acting world or in the modeling world or whatever, it becomes a very small world Mm -hmm. because you can talk to somebody in London and, you know, Germany and India all in the same day where that used to be like a huge process. Now it's almost instant. And I think that that has shrunk the world down to a much more manageable or at least much more comprehensible level. And yet it's made the universe much larger. Right. So that whole concept of a, a little fish in a big pond, we're now microbes in oceans. And yet the microbes are all just like kind of trying to clump together and be like, let's just, just do our thing. It's really fucking weird. I like it. It all sounds like a good plan to me personally. <laughs> well, but see, I'm worried about, okay, the, the king of the dinosaurs, the T-Rex, he's the epitome of carnivorous <laughs> dinosaur evolution, little tiny arms. Just so he didn't get him snapped off by the guy next to him is also eating just as hard as him. I, I get it, but it's also like that's that's not helpful evolution. Yeah, I mean, 
I, there, there's so many like potentials of what the future could look like. I, it's, it's wild to think about. I think though, there, you know, there's a positive and a negative to everything, right? And I think because kids can focus on like so many things at once and have that awareness, like, whereas older generations had like one awareness, one news source, and like, that's where all the opinions came from. Now, like, a little kid with an iPhone growing up in the Bible belt could get on TikTok and be like, oh, like, I'm not a freak. There's a lot of people like me. You know, I think yeah. that could be a positive. Um, I wish that I had had access to like other queer people um, doing what they love and being themselves on TikTok, a place where they're recording real video, like that's real. And it's not just like a TV show that's all like pre overly produced. I think that if I had had access to that, it would have saved me a lot of like self-harm and alcoholism and I would have felt more accepted. So I think there's positives too. what's happening. But, you know, as long as I think with everything, there's an extreme. And I think that hopefully, you know, it's back to that balance thing. If people can learn how to just like not let it control them, use it as a tool. Like, I think that it could yield a lot of good outcomes. I want to crack a joke right now. And it's just so inappropriate at the time. God, I want to crack a joke so bad. Oh what? <laughs> I mean, that's what they said in the mid 1800s about cocaine. But is cocaine fully bad? I mean, I don't do it anymore because I'm a mother and I shouldn't do drugs. And so I won't. But I will say that cocaine helped me get through a lot of shitty parts of my life. <laughs> That's exactly my point. As you look at things like, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's so hard for me at times to, to just look at how negative things can be positive. And how positive things can end up negative. Mm -hmm. And I think that's that's like that's the biggest life lessons I've learned, especially in my relationships. Mm -hmm. I can do everything right and still fuck up in spectacular fashion. Yeah. And that's that's a hard pill to swallow. Yes. Um, it makes me think of the elements, like fire, for example. And I think this could go for any element. If you are able to control it, it could be a tool for warmth. It could be a tool to help you cook a meal and survive. But if you fuck up and you get arrogant and you drop the lighter, it could catch the whole forest on fire. Yeah. Or, you know, with water, same thing. Water, if you're containing it and you're balanced, it's, you can drink it. You can water plants, but too much water can cause floods. You know, it's, it's like alchemy, you know? Yeah. Well, and I guess that's the thing is that people forget that nature is the ultimate winner. Yeah, it sure is. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we talk about that there's only three actual stories. No, I don't think we talk about that. There, there, I have always thought there are only three actual stories. If you take any story, movie, book, anything, there's three. There's man against man. Mm -hmm. You got man fighting again even if it's man fighting aliens i don't give a fuck it's man versus man it's a conflict between entities and intelligences that are fighting each other there's man against himself overcoming some adversity overcoming some idea and that even that even goes into the nonfiction. there's lots of times if you read nonfiction, it really is man against himself people are writing because they're trying to exercise their own demons yeah in those two you can have a great ending or a bad ending. You can you can win in the end, 
or you can lose in the end. Mm-hmm. And then there's man versus nature. Mm-hmm. And in man versus nature, you fucking lose every time. Nature always wins. Yeah. <laughs> every fucking time. Mm-hmm. And those are the only three stories. And people don't like man versus nature. They don't like those stories. Those are the ones that artists go, oh my God, it speaks to me. And everybody else goes, I fucking hated it. It was so boring or it was so dark. And it's like, sorry, that's real. Like um, 127 hours. There you go. <laughs> no, like, that was like man versus man and man versus nature. <laughs> yeah, it's literally, you want to, and you want to root, but at the same time, like, I, you put yourself in that position. I'm gouging my eyes out and hoping condors eat me (laughs) i mean that's just how that is but like i don't know i just i i I have a hard time registering or or recognizing in other people their inability to see those things well back to our conversation about technology i mean so many people are plugged into technology these days that um, i saw a quote recently and it said and i've i've held on to it Um, move at the speed of nature versus the speed of technology because even though like we've evolved with technology to some extent I don't think we've fully gotten there just like vegans like um, and I'm sure that I'll probably get wrapped for saying this but like we haven't evolved to the point where we can just be fully vegan I don't think most of us you know just like we haven't evolved to the point where we can just live on technology and not go back into nature like we're still part of nature <laughs> even though we try to stray so far from it there's it's in psychology world it's called eco psychology the the remedy and some things that some um therapists will prescribe to their patients is go out and take a fucking walk like by a river and put your feet in it like ground yourself stay in nature for 12 hours and see what happens and try not to get eaten by a bear to me, like, how is, how is that weird? Like, that's what we should do. Tell me about it. I feel like sometimes I'll go out, you know, to a park or whatever, and I just, I even feel weird taking off my shoes and putting my feet in the grass. Like, I don't, I don't want it to be weird. Like, that's kind of how we ground ourselves in a way. Like, I just, people just need to get out into nature. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have a kayak sitting in my garage. It's still not touched the water. Dang, I want to go kayaking. It was a bed for me for a while when I was in the van. I like flipped it upside down. It was a great like hammock. It was badass because it floated above everything else. I tied it up over the seats and everything. It was fucking awesome. But yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I guess I look at at the idea that nature nurtures versus nature harms. I mean, there's, you hear both sides of that, but I feel the same about living in a city or, you know, like I, 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 you know, I've been going to Denver a lot. I fucking hate the traffic there. Yeah. I hate the traffic in Denver more than I hate the traffic in LA. Yeah. And that bothers me. Like, it's just traffic. It's just a a mild nuisance in getting somewhere. Probably not going to take me that much longer one way or another. But it's that there's traffic. That's what the annoying part is. I I don't know. It's, well, I, part of it is I can't handle stupid. Like, I'm allergic to stupid now. (laughs) I'm probably allergic to money too, but I'm trying not to admit that one but I'm definitely allergic to stupid and I I'm having such a hard I can't there's so much dumb out there right now (laughs) oh no I there is there really is um and it's not you know 
to play the devil's advocate. It's not people's fault. It's just that everyone's so plugged into Instagram and Facebook that they're getting information that's opinionated, you know, or it's um, not real research. So there's a lot of misinformation being spread and, and people where, like, where do you even get real information from, you know? Yeah, well, this one was like, I, I did this to, to my eldest the other day, back in my day, <laughs> you know, you'd open a fucking newspaper and the news was above the fold on the front pages and the editorials had their own section. Wow. Yeah. The editorials were not the news. That's not news. We don't have, I mean, I don't, in my opinion, we don't have a news outlet in the United States. We don't have one. Even the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, they're slanted. They are. And I, I don't, I, I don't trust any of it. Yeah. I like finding those underground news channels that feel non-biased. Yeah. Well, that's just that they feel non-biased, but are they? And that's, that's the thing is it's hard to tell. Yeah. Sometimes you're just hearing what you want to hear. Yeah, I feel like that's life. Back to uh is it gestalt psychology? Like uh, uh an organism basically will just pick out the stimuli that helps complete the internal narrative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we hear what we want to hear, we see what we want to see, we interpret the way that it benefits us the most. That doesn't always mean, and people talk about all the time, I see things better because I'm on the outside of it. No, nobody's really on the outside of it. No. We're all in the same fucking bubble. This is why I think aliens need to come back to Earth and, and like, do something. Like, do something wild. I, I think that they're, they're scared to because we're, like, the best television ever. <laughs> Did you see that meme? And it was like, I bet aliens lock their car doors when they drive past Earth. <laughs> God, I hope so. God, I hope so. That's, that's no, that, yeah. I, 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 if other alien races are still or have been or are keeping tabs on us, you got to think that we're literally their version of reality TV, or we're like their their epitome. They're like, and if you want to understand chaos, here's this science experiment that we created millennia ago, and here's what's happened. Oh It'll be my like God. the South Park episode where they pour semen in with the semen. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I felt that. The whole joke of Star Wars. The whole joke of Star Wars. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. The joke, therefore, is we're one of the fucking outworlds they forgot about. We put people there. We don't care. Fuck them. Yeah. We're literally the, the, the bastardized, forgotten children of the Star Wars universe. We weren't even important enough to include in the Empire or be taken over. They were just like, just let them drift. It's fine. They're, they're, they're so far out there. They don't matter. Some, we'll some, some interstellar archaeologist is going to discover us in, in, at some point and go, oh, God, oh, God, we can't talk to them because they're so wrong. They're so wrong. We fucked up so bad. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. We're like the feral straight cats of the universe. Yeah, pretty raccoons. much. We're fucking raccoons. That's what we are. Humanity we are... is interstellar raccoons. <laughs> digging in the trash and causing issues and <laughs> fighting each other with rabies. I want to start like a, a noise a noise band called Interstellar Raccoons. <laughs> Cannot find I'm going to title this episode Interstellar Raccoons now. <laughs> <laughs> the, 
you think uh, you think <laughs> you, you ever talk to me and just wonder what the hell because i didn't i didn't know that was coming i had no idea every once in a while my i just in my own life i stop and go where the fuck did i come up with that where did that come like the yeah like yeah i don't the, I don't, <laughs> the alien sent that to you subliminally and you just like were a channel for it to come yeah, out something god that's uh, every once in a while i forget that i'm weird because I'm so used to it. <laughs> well, I'm on the outside, and I can tell you that. <laughs> oh, that was so perfectly placed. <laughs> um, <sighs> so are we ready to talk music news? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you sound so enthusiastic. <laughs> yes, let's oh, yeah, talk. that thing I do. That thing you do, yeah, that that hobby. That little, uh, that little pastime that I like to do yeah. sometimes. So now that you've, you've settled back in, you have decided, for the record, we're, we're putting this out there, this is official, <laughs> that you are going to make all of your personae into one, correct? Yes. Artistically. Artistically. You're still going to, you know, have all your college degrees and everything attached to your, your Christian name, but... Oh my God, can you not ever say that again? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Look, I just, I feel like having a college degree makes you cool, right? So I met a Rasta one time in Costa Rica and he said, everything you do, just make sure you're doing it for style. And I've held on to that. So, you know, just it's for style. <laughs> well, I mean, it adds, there's more letters. Yeah, A B C D E F G. Yeah, a lot of those letters don't don't. I I still like. I'll look at people that like, especially like specialists that are like in like. I, you know, I'm going to see a rheumatologist. There's all these weird letters and numbers at the ends of their degrees. I'm like, what the fuck is any of that? You're just making that shit up. L M N O P. Yeah, like literally. Ooh, you just want to go for the world record for fucking longest <laughs> name, dick. <laughs> well, and even that gets sticky because I I know like. If you have a PhD in one area, like I don't know, mute, uh, liberal arts, or I don't, yeah, I don't even know. But like, you try to call yourself a doctor in another area where you're not actually a doctor, like that's so unethical. So at the end of the day, does it really matter? Nah. I have a hard time calling people Mister or Mrs. Calling somebody Doctor, unless I can crack a Bugs Bunny joke or something like that, or a Star Trek joke, I'm gonna have a problem anyway. Hello, Doctor. Yeah, I know. Doctor Who? I'm good with that one. Yeah, that one's cool. Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange. Yeah, yeah but I mean, he's not, do I mean, yeah, he's no longer a doctor. They should have just changed, you know, Wizard Stranger. I want to make an inappropriate joke. <laughs> do it! Um, what if there was an OBG and his name was Doctor Strange? I mean, everybody would want to get some. I would definitely go see them to get my yeah. in. I'd go see Strange. <laughs> Who wouldn't want to go see some Strange? There you go. Exactly. I mean, your whole marketing ploy, everything. The gynecologist <laughs> to the fucking porn stars. That's what that, I mean, you know that's what that would be. Oh my gosh, yes. I hope that this exists. <laughs> it, needs, it needs to now. I'm hoping somebody's just like, oh, I'm changing my name. That's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Someone somewhere has caught drift of this conscious download that we yeah. have just received. <laughs> And they're like, oh, I'm changing my name so that I don't ever have to. Yeah, that's perfect. 
Yeah, anyway. they're fortunate names or something that I really spend way too much time researching. So, porn star names? No, unfortunate names. Like, oh. like there was a baseball star in the seventies named Dick Pole. <laughs> Did you know that there's a bird called a dick sizzle? I do now, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm googling it. <laughs> And there's this satanic night jar. There's a yeah, cool that one I've heard of. I've heard of. Yeah. No, uh, the the other there's a I I fell down a fucking documentary hole the other night and listened to a bunch of, bunch of Scottish filmmakers talking about an ass fish in the Indian Ocean, which with their accent was just it was pure comedy, and they were being very serious, and they just every few minutes like such a bad name. Such a bad name. I, ah, I hate saying it, and it was so good because they didn't want to say it, but they kept saying ass <laughs> you know, that makes me think of something I saw the other day where someone asked a rhetorical question and said, like, would you rather have to eat 100 pounds of shrimp per day or have one shrimp come out of your butthole every hour for the rest of your life? And I guess someone out there in the world literally has, like, this thing where a shrimp does come out of their butt, like, once a day. If you have an infection or something, if you have a parasitic, I mean, that could, that doesn't sound like a rhetorical question. That sounds like an episode of Jackass. <laughs> it blows my mind that, like, the guys on Jackass, like, most of them are sober. I'm like, how can you attach a thousand bees to your dong and be sober through that? You know, I can, I can say with authority that a solid 90% of the stupid shit I've done, I've done without any form of inebriation or chemical enhancement. I respect that. I, I Usually it's just the, let's do the stupid thing. I respect that. I think that those- Like I stoned so cold sober, ate a glass the other day. Glass? Yeah, like there was a broken glass. I'm like, get it. And I just broke the rest of it and just put it in my mouth and ate it. And everybody was just kind of like, what in the fuck? What was, in the fuck? Well, I know how to do it, so I just did it, just to prove a point. I know how to do it. I mean, normally you do it with like a light bulb or something that's a lot thinner than that, but I, you know, you've seen my teeth and what I can do to aluminum, so glass is easy. Okay, well, thank you for, I just felt so many things in my throat and mouth that I didn't want to feel. <laughs> and now I've felt them, so thank you for helping me overcome that, like, psychological boundary that I had. You know, when I when my throat hurts, I want to just swallow potato chips whole. To like scratch it? Yeah. I understand. That or like go buy a new toilet brush and just, <laughs> just ultra gag 3000 on it or something. If you're going to do that, you have to start an OnlyFans. <laughs> so back to back to what we were discussing originally before it totally just. Before the intergalactic squirrels uh, yeah. took over. Yeah. Um, you are are coming back musically. You've made the choice now that you've had a couple of years to 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 really mom it up and and figure out that we are no longer in charge of our own schedules. The little the little people in our houses are. <laughs> they're, they're actually our rulers. Um, you are going to go as go on everything as ritual, correct? Yeah. And do you have a style or idea in mind on how you're going to do that? Um, like how I'm going to make everything ritual? Well, no, because I, I, I know more that you have a bunch of music that you haven't released. 
yeah. the inside of this that's the beauty of this is that i know a bunch of shit that other people don't know that you have a bunch of music that you haven't released but you also have a bunch of ideas in mind for where you want to head with it so yeah. i just want you to basically share your insight two reasons one i want people to know and two i want it recorded so i can use it against you in a couple of months when you try and change your mind again <laughs> oh man well i haven't thought too much about this but um i mean i yeah i have three songs that haven't been released on mine um and well four or five actually um basically all the social media at this point is changed to ritual um and I think what we're gonna do is release every song from here on out as a single um maybe make some music videos along the way and then go in a direction of just seeing what comes out next um I don't want to put myself in a box anymore that's I think what made me not want to do music for so long was feeling like I had to be in a box for so long um and I don't want to do that anymore I think we're going to a day and age where it's cool to like release different genres and release singles so that's the plan um and then I want to get back to doing some covers too releasing some covers here and there and making it about the music again I don't know I, I'm, I'm excited to see you coming back kind of into the fold and see where this all goes mm -hmm. but it feels like a big speed bump just got driven over in the last like five six years yeah I mean I feel like going to LA helped me grow as an artist and now being on the outside of LA again um I feel like I I can see where I was being blocked as an artist also so now having that awareness I feel like at this point also just being able to be healed from a lot of stuff that was too painful to sing about for so long um, I'm at a point now where I can get through a song without crying. <laughs> so um, I'm, I feel like it's time again. And um, yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to see where it goes. And I'm excited to be working with you again and people that just appreciate where I'm at and aren't yeah. forcing me to like be something that I'm not. Yeah, for well, the thing is, is that you know, I, I told you years ago when we were at, at Trailside in Denver, like the reason that I was offering you a contract is not because I expect something out of you is because I want you to have an outlet and the support to actually do what you want. Yeah. And I think that that, I think that resonates more now. Than yeah. It, than... yeah, I think at that time I was like, oh yeah, I'm getting signed to a label. Like it was just exciting because I, wa I wanted to like, it, it sounded cool but now at this and I'm sorry to say that but like no, it, it, trust me you're not the first to say it to me and I think that's a lot of people um fortunately you you run a label where you actually care about your artists and don't like um take advantage of people who want that label um behind them uh that being said I do feel like I'm at a point in my life now where I have so much going on and being a mom on top of everything um that having support around me it means more than you know the title of oh I'm signed to a label like, most, I mean the thing is we live in a day and age where you don't need a label yeah you need to, I mean if you have an attorney or a good manager or a good agent you don't need a label what yeah. we what we what I believe in as a label and what we've tried to do since we started the label in 2001 was just give opportunities to people that 
fuck, if all you need from us is the paperwork, cool. Being humble and being humbled in this industry in particular has taught me more than anything I've ever, any performance, any tour or anything. It's just the, 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 the humility that you learn. Mm-hmm. that's what matters and that's when you start actually looking at each other and going okay we're doing this together yeah because that world is so small yeah you start to lean on each other I mean I, how many how many people have you met in the last maybe not the first time you moved to LA but the second time you moved to LA from then to now how many artists musicians producers have you met that have no idea that you're a musician yourself? Um, I would say half and half, probably. Exactly. Yeah. And that's probably about the same in your day-to-day life from your friends and family. Yeah. That's a humbling thing. Music is about honesty, integrity, and expression. Mm-hmm. And most of the business side of that takes those three things and throws them out the window. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure that other artists can relate to this, but you know, in my early 20s, it was so I was so obsessed with like people knowing who I was. Like I wanted people to know who I was. I wanted to be recognizable. I wanted to be famous. And now I don't know, I don't know if being a mom has changed me or just like getting burnt out on that changed me but I'm to a point in my life where like I love having some somewhat of a private life I love people not knowing like every detail of my love life I love people not knowing I don't you know not every detail of my family life I like having that element I don't want I'm not in it anymore for that recognition even to do this podcast with you I delayed it because I was like I don't know if I'm ready like I don't know if I want people to, to hear my inner thoughts um, because I have, I have boundaries now, which I didn't have before. Um, but it's just all of a sudden you turn around and go, shit, what's actually important? Yeah. And in music, the priority in music is the music. Yeah. God forbid, you know? Yeah. And I think like when you have that, when a person, an artist has that element of like, this is my art over here that I'm showing you. And then over here, like this is where I close the doors and I do my life. Like, I think that's how really good art is made. I don't think really good art comes from being in the center and of the limelight all the time. Cause like, what can you really write about at that point? if you're constantly just a zoo animal being looked at. Like I know for when I was touring and I was like on, you know, on stage every night, I I had nothing to write about. Like there's nothing to write about. <laughs> there's no well, really being on tour is just survival. Yeah. And they don't realize that until you've done it. Yeah. Um I remember that first the first time that you got kidnapped for the weekend and I had to come pick you up in Durango. Yeah. And we drove back. Just you had this shell shot look of just what in the fuck did we just do? That was four days. Yeah. And you were like, I, I kind of want to do that forever, but that was not what I thought it was. <laughs> it's like, there you go. Yeah. 
And that's exactly it is, is, you know, and, and I think it's that in, I think everybody would love to be, a, I want to be a gold miner. I want to be an investment banker. And it, it sounds so easy. And so they romanticize it and this idea of what it is to be these things, you know, yeah. being a, a truly good actor is painful because you yeah. become the character. And if you get that role where it's, a, you know, it's a psychopath or it's someone who's dying or you put yourself in that position, you feel those emotions, you don't get over that. Yeah, talk about, seriously, talk about counter-transference. And I think that's, that's a danger is a lot of like professions is not becoming your alter ego. And I did that before. And I think that's why I needed to take a break. I even heard, um, I was watching a documentary, docu-series about that porn star Bell Knox last night, the mm. one that was at Duke University and um, she was a porn star and she was doing a little like question and answer, like when do you quit porn? And the answer was like, when you start to become your alter ego, because, and she's like, I think that in retrospect, like that means like, you know, don't lose yourself with all of these, like attaching yourself to different professions. Um, well, and that's becoming more and more common, especially in porn and in dancing and things where people are becoming like, they, it's not, oh, I, I work at a strip club or I'm a dancer at a strip club. It's like, I'm a dancer. I am a stripper. I am a porn star. I am a, you become what you are. Yeah. And that's some very medieval thinking. Yeah. And, and it and it's empowering on one hand, but it's also damaging on the other. And I think that that's something that people do miss. Right, because I don't know if you can just completely cover up the parts of yourself you don't like with by creating a, a character that isn't those things. Like, I think that the, the wholeness and the balance comes into play when you're like, okay, like, I'm not a perfect human. There's a lot of places I fall short. And I have this character that I play, but I'm okay with myself at the same time. Okay, what what in every comic book that ever existed, what are the more dramatic moments? Is it the big fight with the the big bad boss, or is it you know Peter Parker struggling with I'm Spider Man, but I'm also Peter. I'm trying to go to school and I'm failing because I'm saving the fucking city. Batman is a great example. Bruce Wayne's a prick. People don't even really like him. He's just really rich. Yeah. I don't really like Batman because they're pretty sure he's gonna kill everybody at some point. But they each have their role. And the dichotomy is the actual theme of the of the story. Who are you? Which person are you? Yeah. That's what makes being that's what makes the villains so much more interesting, especially in DC, because they're always the villain. Mm-hmm. In DC, the villains don't have alter egos or pretend to be somebody else. They're just who they are. Right. The they're not t- pretending to be anything else other than just a maniacal piece of shit. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They know who they are and they own it. It's the superheroes in DC that are kind of like, I don't know who to be. Like, even as a kid, I remember thinking Superman was stupid. Like, you're Superman. Why do you care about, you got to work on a newspaper so you can understand what's going on in the world? You can literally hear everything. Fly up and listen, you dumbass. Like, that's your job. That's your, well, how am I going to feed myself? You're fucking Superman. Figure it out. You live in an ice castle in the middle of nowhere and you seem to be fine for years at a time. You probably need to eat one meal every 20 years. Write that into the story, not, I've got to go do this so that I can save Lois again. 
Yeah. I mean, I could go in a whole nother conversation about that. Like, why does the villain get to be them, their full selves all the time? <laughs> why does that have to be a villain um, character trait? I can answer that. I can okay. answer that very, very easily. Okay. Because I, being the person who I am with my checkered past or colorful past, as we want to call it, <laughs> I've realized that it is much, much easier to make a living a very good living being a scumbag. Oh, yeah. Doing it legitimate, living a clean life and doing what you're supposed to do, two, three, four times harder. Yeah. I I work 80, 90 hours a week minimum just to pay the fucking bills. Yeah. That's not me buying glamorous vacations or sports cars or any of that shit. Hell, my car is still sitting without an engine after two years because I have to put the business and my kids and any number of different things like braces and things that come out of nowhere that you don't, you can't anticipate. Yeah. That becomes more important. I work my ass off. I could go sell, you know, I could sell meth easy as hell. Sell coke easy as hell and make way more money. Go steal cars and go do all the the the, the dumb debauchery shit that I know how to do. Yeah. That I'm honestly pretty good at. Yeah. I just, it's a choice. Right. So which is the real me? The person who knows it's easier to just give into that and live it and own it, or the person who fights every day not to be that person and that's why the villain gets to be who they are because it's easy yeah but where does that always end up prisoner dead <laughs> prisoner dead that's where it, I mean, every time we're in asylum trash can world yeah and that's exactly wow. it and that's that's why that that i've 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 spent days literally days thinking about that process from the time I was in middle school to now, it still pops up every few days. Like, God, it's so much easier to just be a piece of shit in this world and not care. Yeah. And it is. Is it rewarding? Monetarily, maybe. Not in the rest of it. Yeah, for sure. I've thought about that because I, you know, being the weird person that I am, I think of things in terms of like energy. And I think all that money is is a physical manifestation of, you know, about what we have called value and what we put out, we get back. And I feel like if you're getting value money back, that's being made in a way that's not actually benefiting your soul. Is that money really enjoyable? A lot of people equate money or the amount of money you make with success. Yeah. And I know plenty of people who are broke all the time that are far more successful than people who are sitting in their multi-million dollar mansions or like one of my favorite Reddits to ever look at is the is the Reddit. There's a whole thread and, and a whole theme of people asking, like being not being wealthy, but being around the ultra wealthy. What are your weird experiences? I love reading those. Because I, I remember building multi-million dollar homes for people in Aspen and Vail for them to go there two days a year. Spending $19 million on a house that is empty 363 days out of the year. Yeah. 
and and spending thousands in upkeep and housekeeping and plumbing and electrical just to keep it ready in case they decide they want to go have a weekend in Aspen or a weekend in Vail. Mm -hmm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. And, and but that's to them that's success. I, I I used to subscribe to that to to a large degree when I was in I was very young and I grew out of it by the time I graduated high school. But I used to be the kid who was like jealous of the kid who had the nice car. Yeah. Mom and dad bought you an NSX. Mom and dad bought you a Corvette or a Camaro, and I'm over here in my fucking 1989 Toyota that I barely can afford. Right. You know. Yeah. I think that's another thing having a kid has made me realize like when I found out I was pregnant I think I had like $800 to my name and I was like oh how the fuck am I gonna make this work and like um it's all worked out and I feel like what I've learned is that the kid doesn't give a shit about money. <laughs> you spend a lot of money on presents for your kids they're still gonna play with the box. Exactly and I feel like when you know my daughter has no shortage of toys and honestly we've put probably three quarters of them away because it it overstimulates her and she's a lot happier and calm with just like 10 toys around um and it's and, a lot less clutter to pick up let's be honest yeah and i think like yeah and and if your kids fed and you have a roof over their head and and there's love in the house i think that's a lot that's that's richness in my opinion it is it's absolutely. And, and and I mean, that sounds really corny and really cheesy, but it's absolutely true. And it goes beyond having kids or having like, there's moments. I'm never one of those people. I don't get jealous of, you know, I, I, I don't really get jealous, which is a weird thing. I probably should more than I do, but I don't really get jealous of like my friends when they've got like a great relationship or when one of my exes is living a better life than they were with me or that's not, I'm jealous of the time the experiences when I see my friends go do something really fun I'm like god I wish I could do that with them yeah. I wish I could, not even just just witness it I you know if you want to post your kids you want to post and 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 I'm not one of those people that says you need to post everything and I'm not one of those people that says you need to especially negative shit like oh poor me my boyfriend left me it's the eighth guy in a row there's a theme here like I am that guy too but if you're taking a moment to share your life with me and it's something like I have one friend, she gets a lot of help because she goes out on the weekends and all you see is like the, the ubiquitous, I'm going to cheers this. Or you see like the fancy eight drinks in the middle of the table or whatever. And that's what you see. I love seeing that because I know that during the week she works harder than anybody else. I know at a job that would suck the life out of most people. She lit literally her job is to prepare people for death. Mm. She runs a hospice center. Wow. And she's the person who entered every family, every individual that is in their care. She deals with every single person. So when she goes out and has a drink on the weekend and hangs out with her girlfriends or her cousins are in town and she goes dancing, fuck yeah, am I behind that 100%? Yeah. Because <clears throat> she's living, she's actually living a real life. Right. And I don't yeah. get why people have such a hard time with that. I don't either. Like, just to trail off of that, I don't know. I'm a big Madonna fan. Um, and she's there's a, a biopic coming out that she's directing. And there's a lot of shit about it being said because they're like, well, how, you know, oh, my God, Madonna's going to direct her own biopic. Like, she's just going to make it look good. I'm like, I don't, it doesn't fucking matter. 
like she has the autonomy to do whatever she wants to do. She's earned the right to kind of do what she wants for one. Um, probably the most underrated, most powerful woman in music, in all honesty. That's what I'm saying. I'm like, I, if I were Madonna, I would not let anyone else tell my story. Yeah, I mean, I have mad respect for for Cher, Tina Turner. There's a lot of just really good Diana Ross. I mean, there's a lot of greats. But Madonna literally looked at it, not just from the aspect of being a musician, but the businesswoman in her, the actress in her. The, I mean, she really went, I'm going to do all of it the best of my abilities. Yeah. And And kind of doesn't apologize for the mistakes other than, hey, I learned something, I won't do it again. Right. She's earned the right to kind of do what she wants. I agree. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of people, the, the, the queen, when, when that came out, people were like, oh my God, that almost got, got, Freddie Mercury isn't the great person I thought he was. And oh my God, he did all those drugs and he did all that. Yeah, and he was still a phenomenal human being. Exactly. I love that movie. Oh my God, me too. That and Rocket Man was really good. I was going to say, next one I was going to say, Elton John. Story about, that is very brutally honest. And I really respect a lot of those. Um, those stories when they're told and they're told honestly. I think that it opens a lot of eyes. For one, it humanizes people and that needs to happen. Um, we, we tend to sensationalize, especially athletes, uh, way too much. Um, yeah. You know, I, don't get me wrong. I, I mean no disrespect, but the fact that a person who can hit a ball really far makes 10 times what a person who saves lives does really upsets me. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it does. It really upsets me. I, I feel like there's a there's a, 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 a huge chasm in the way people are appreciated in this world, especially in the United States. I agree. And I think that that's, that's something. So when you humanize and bring somebody back to a level of, you know, they're they're going to make mistakes. They're angry. They're they're frustrated. They're sad. They're they're allowed to go through these things. Um, some of my favorite models, musicians, things right now, the people who are just completely honest, like, hey, I'm having a shitty day. Send me pictures of cats. <laughs> or hey, you know, my skin looks like shit, and I'm required by my management to post a video today. So here's my zit cream. I love that shit. Yeah, that's awesome. When you own the the existence that you've created for yourself, and Madonna is an example, Christina Aguilera, a lot of people are fat shaming her and stuff like that right now, and I'm like, she still sings like a motherfucker. Who gives a shit? And she's probably happy, and yeah. she probably feels good, and she gets yeah. to enjoy food. And yeah. Christina Aguilera, Kelly Clarkson, people want to give Britney Spears shit for being crazy. She's earned the right to be nuts right now. Yeah. She's earned it and 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 i don't know i agree if i have like one message that i just would love to preach to everyone it's like just if no one's hurting others or themselves <laughs> leave them the fuck alone and let them do what they want to do yeah like literally that's it or or stand aside and clap yeah applaud the people who are living life and not it's not just Life isn't always about leading other people or leading the best example. Sometimes it's about not affecting anyone in a negative way. And that is just as important. Yeah. Sometimes just stepping aside and just not creating waves, not creating ripples, letting, letting the water flow past and do its job. Yeah. And I think a lot of people forget that or never learned that. Yeah. And it's, you know, I have so much schooling under my belt now and my brain's like everything's a nail and I'm a hammer at this point um yeah. but 
it's like it's not everyone's fault because no one teaches in school like how to self-regulate or how to respond to triggers calmly or not react like we're not taught that <laughs> um so anytime someone's living in their truth and it triggers someone I mean it's hard to just be like okay this is fine I'm gonna let them be them we're not taught how to deal with trauma we're not taught how to we're not taught ethics not properly be it, no. be it work ethic to actual ethos and, and, and credence we're, we're not taught these things we we learn them and it's supposed to be our family's jobs my and the family dynamic over the last 35 to 40 years has just completely gone to shit so what are we learning from television yeah god i hope not but that's probably true mm-hmm. media just, television yeah the image of what we're supposed to see versus what the reality is. Yeah. Like one of the More people should learn how to learn. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> learn how to learn. Yeah. Yes. That's I what school is supposed to do is teach us how to learn and it doesn't. It's ineffective. Yeah. Because the teachers are babysitters now. No, well, teachers are what? Teachers are babysitters now. They're not teachers. Oh, yeah. Teach them yeah. to, to, to keep up with the standardization, do the, do the tests and make sure our kids have somewhere to go so I can go to work during the day. I know. I'm, I'm, yeah, I could, that is another topic. We should have like a whole other episode on that. Um, I actually want to get an episode where I get a bunch of single parents and then on one side of the room and a bunch of, par- of, of like actual like sets of parents on the other side and just have them discuss how different it is. Oh, Yeah. I, I've wanted to do that for a while. Like that's one of the ideas that I was just like, God, that would be so interesting because I've been both. I've been a parent with complete support and I've been a, the single dad and I've also been the, the, the co-parenting dad. They're very different. All three of them are very, very different. I can only imagine. Um, so you, with a kid with Down syndrome, it changes everything too. Oh so it gives me a fairly unique perspective, but I really, I really like that idea of having people not necessarily debate, but go, well, here's what I do to get by my day to day. Cause I have so many, particularly single moms mm-hmm. who go out and work and do what they're supposed to do and, and take care of shit and pay the bills and do all this other stuff. And they end up actually inadvertently supporting the dads who are like, well, fine, you're fucking handling it. I don't need to. Mm-hmm. And that's become this huge commonality in my life lately and I'd love to get those people in a room with with parents who are actual parents in a in a couple who are doing it together and just so they can hear the difference of how it's supposed yeah. to be of what what it, how it works and what doesn't work right because as I'm sure you're very aware there are some things where you just want to choke the shit out of your partner like that is not how you do that <laughs> I know. I, I'm really grateful for the partner I have because he's a really good dad. He's really hands-on and he's very patient. Um, I honestly, you know, we've obviously haven't had a perfect relationship, but I think we could have thrown in the towel many times and we didn't. And the cool thing about my partner is he goes, I mean, not anymore, but he went to therapy before we met. He knows how to own his shit. He knows how to not put blame on others. And like, that's a cool thing. I feel like very fortunate that I have a partner like him. But I know that not a lot of people do. And that makes me sad. Um, there's not a lot of people like that out there. I know. I really lucked out. <laughs> but I I mean, there's, really just, there's just really, there's not a lot of people like that. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie. When I met him and he was like, I go to therapy. Like I told some of my friends 
friends, quote unquote, that in LA at the time, like, well, you don't know what he goes to therapy for. Like, you better watch out. And and it freaked me out. A lot of things about him freaked me out. And then I realized, like, there's no shame in going to therapy. And you want people in your life that own their mental health. <laughs> like, that's the people you want in your life. So I feel really lucky. Yeah. Parenting with someone else is like taking home that egg from school with your lab partner and making sure it doesn't crack. And then you do that over and over again for 18 years. (laughs) You know, I never did that. I don't know. I was, I think I was the only one that that was in those classes. I never had to do anything like that. And I always thought it was really strange. And then I realized years later that I think everybody was just really scared that I would just eat the kid. (laughs) I think, I think all the teachers and all the students kind of went, we can't give him something that he can cook. Oh my god, why am I not surprised? I mean, it took me years to realize that, but because I am my parent. Yeah, I love parents that are, you know, still have hold on to that childish spirit. I think that's so important. And it helps us be level with our kids. I mean, damn. I think my daughter, who's only 15 months old, she looks at me sometimes like you're a joke. And and that happens. Like, see, I I never baby talk to my kids. I don't know how to do it. Oh, but I do. When I'm being an asshole to people, I'll I'll do it to them. When when somebody's like, especially drunks, it's like my favorite thing in the world. When you're really drunk and you're really being stupid, I'll start baby talking. Oh, and I love that shit. But to my kids, I have a hard time doing it because it feels like I'm just belittling their intelligence. Like, just because you're small doesn't mean you don't recognize that I'm speaking to you. You may not understand the words, but maybe the inflection or something. I, I I talk to dogs and cats. I do. I'm that guy. I I talk to animals and things like as if they're going to respond. But I talk to myself in like five different voices too. So I think that's just naturally who I am. But with my kids in particular, like I didn't do the baby talk thing. I don't do that. But I because of that, I've also made the commitment that I would never... Like if they ask me a question, I'm going to give them the answer, even if it's something they shouldn't necessarily know or hear. And I respect that. I mean, because if they're, if they're not learning it from you, they're going to go learn it from someone else and they might not get the best answer. And I'm sure that you've built a really good trust with your kids by being transparent with them. So what music can I put on this without making you mad? Because <laughs> I have all of your music. Mm. I don't know. What do you think? I kind of want to do snippets of the music that you haven't released yet so that there's just that little tiny bit out there that people go, wait, what? Do you have the one? Oh, I can't even remember the names. To my hey, I suck at song titles, so I'm the wrong person, but I, I, I know yours. I still have, I have had your stuff up on my desktop on this computer that I'm recording this with for three years. Oh my gosh. The synopses for the videos, the, the, the way I want to remix them, if we were to do different dance versions versus metal versions, all that. And I have notes upon notes upon notes about all the ways we're doing the cover songs and stuff that I'm going to be sending to you. Okay. Do you have um, Lost a Little? Yep. That's the one I think I would like. That's the one that the, the video is going to make people really upset, but really relate to. Yes. All your all your Hollywood friend frenemies. <laughs> they probably like don't even remember me at this point. Oh, they do. You make an impact. 
I know people that met you in high school and just remember the cheerleader version of you and they've never been able to escape that. So that's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> you make an impact. Oh my gosh. I think there's a yearbook picture of me somewhere wearing a cheerleading uniform, sitting in my orchestra class playing the violin. Well, I know that I'm going to go look for something. <laughs> that could be the cover art for this uh, episode. <laughs> we should just reenact it. Yeah. We should. Okay. What we should do is we should put you in a cheerleading uniform playing violin and you're go, going and sitting with a bunch of kindergartners trying to do some kind of recital or something. Oh my gosh. You can be whatever you want when you grow up. <laughs> It's going to be amazing. Oh, my gosh. I'm a horrible person. Why does anybody tolerate me? <laughs> because you're a joy. Uh, life's never boring. No, it's, it's not. I'm, I'm, I don't know anyone could ever be bored. No. Well, you've got real big, big, big person shit to do, I'm sure. Today is actually like my self-care day. So that's kind of nice. <laughs> um, my self-care day, self-care days occur when I'm in so much pain, I can't get off the couch. So it's like once every like three or four years. <laughs> oh my God. It's literally my body going, you're going to pause, bitch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by self-care day, I mean, it's like the day um, that I get to catch up on things that I need to catch up on. So and I shower on Thursdays. But there, there you go. That's that's an important one. See, I'm lucky because I don't sleep. I actually get a lot of shit done when everybody else is passed the fuck out. So I would try that, but I'm afraid that I would spiral into like a psychotic episode. The last time I know of you not sleeping very well, you were it was during the uh, all the QAnon shit. You were going so far into all the different conspiracy theories that you were like <laughs> arguing with yourself. So I don't recommend it for you. I'm not gonna go there again. It was it was entertaining watching you argue with yourself, but the, the, your your lack of sleep was a bad thing for you. It was pretty unhealthy. Yeah. Amusing. Highly amusing. Oof. I was I was determined that Los Angeles was gonna explode and that. I don't even want to. I don't even want to tell you what I think. I thought. Oh no! I, I remember some of it. I actually remember sitting in a room and just writing notes down. Like, holy shit, she's losing her mind, but she's also finding her mind. And what do I do with this? And it's fun. Oh well, I'd like to let everyone know I'm in a very healthy place now mentally. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's that's, that's my the fucking bumper sticker right there. <laughs> I've done a lot of therapy <laughs> and I don't do drugs anymore. Yeah, it's amazing how that those those the combination of those things. The oh lack my God. of substance abuse and actually speaking your mind. And and, and people give me because I, I don't go to therapy anymore. I don't. Um simply because I I, I own my demons in a way that, that I'm kind of disgustingly comfortable with. Well, that's the point of therapy. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I just have figured out like what's wrong, and and I know my triggers, and I know my reactions, and I know how to separate myself and what I need to do, and I know my limitations. 
Mostly. The physical thing is still getting to me, but we'll see. Um, I think everyone in this country at around age 22 should go to therapy for six months. Yeah. Every person. Yeah. Balanced, unbalanced, criminal, perfect. I don't give a fuck. I don't care if you're an Eagle Scout. Every person would benefit from therapy for a minimum of six months at that turning point where you're no longer just a raving sociopath of teenage hormones and actually trying because most people 19 20 21 they play house they pretend to be grown-ups but they don't really know when you hit 22 23 24 it's when the reality of insurance and housing and job market that stuff kicks in having someone who at the end of the day does not actually impact your life outside of the back and forth Mm -hmm. is so valuable yeah there's a reason that we we vent our shit to bartenders in airport bars i'm never gonna fucking see them again right yeah and sometimes it's good to just most of therapy is just letting a person talk and then once it's out there pointing out the shit they said yeah we all know what's wrong with us we all know where our damage is we all know what the issues are we just don't want to fucking look at it and somebody going wait 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 but you said this 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 and this and we go fuck (laughs) i knew it the whole time right yeah that's breakthrough yeah and i think doing that before 25 when the brain is like kind of fully developed would be really beneficial yeah if you ingrain that ability rather than the shame of i don't want to be a burden yeah and make it a telling people that at the end of the day you're you're paying this person to bitch at them yeah you take it to its basest form and i don't mean to to make it sound like it's a negative thing i respect the profession but when you are a therapist, you're being paid to deal with people at their worst. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's why it's so expensive. <laughs> yeah, to literally vent what kind of scum we all are and yeah. what our traumas are and hear all the bad shit we've been dealing with. And in some instances, just deal with really stupid people who just don't see the fact that they've made the same 11 mistakes because they're dating the same guy in 11 different bodies. Yeah. That's yeah, the really struggle. You can't turn a a pickle back into a cucumber. But you can fake it. I'm gonna. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. That I like that, but I don't like that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't try to think about how to turn a pickle back into a cucumber. (laughs) That's the rest of my day. (laughs) (laughs) How can I make this happen? In what way? <laughs> if you figure it out, let me know. I'd love I to will. know. I yeah. It's gonna be really, really fucked up and involve like interdimensional travel, but well, that's the only way, I think. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I'll I'll have a whole I'll I'll write it out the math and all that, figuring it out. There's an afternoon I'm never gonna get back. <laughs> well, <laughs> The choice is yours. Yeah, I'm kind of okay with it. 
All right. Well, I'm going to let you go so you can go do like laundry and stuff, I'm guessing. It, that's exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> uh, How did you know? I just, I just, I remember, I remember. And I also have young drunk friends that I still kind of have to do some of these things for. So it's just a nasty new cycle is what it's turned into. But now knowing when laundry needs to be done and remembering, oh shit, I needed, you know, I've been meaning to put these socks away for six weeks, you know? Yeah, that kind of stuff. I remember. I still deal with it some. Mostly because I'm lazy. But. <laughs> Good times. Yep. Well, we will get you, this is actually, I'm going to try and release this here in a couple of days so I can start the whole season off. So I will be linking you and we'll get it all done. Okay. What are two songs that you just can't stop listening to lately? Right now? Yep. Oh God, this is embarrassing. Good. <laughs> um, okay, one is called First Class by Jack Harlow. If you want to like manifest some royalty into your life, just listen to that on repeat every morning. Um, and then oh, this song called Stick Season. And that's kind of like a bluegrass-y song. Very sad. Go cry. And um, and yeah, those are my songs. Yeah. That's fair. All right. Well, you go do your shit, and I will talk to you soon. Um, okay? Okay. Okay. Actually, why is your... text me your address. I need that. Okay, why is your mannequin moving? Because there's a dog back there. She <laughs> I was like, dude, the whole time you didn't tell me that was like a cyborg behind you oh yeah no that's there's a dog she plays with the my, my other ones right over here and she plays with them oh okay yeah she i don't know she thinks that if she lays at their feet they're gonna pet her or something i don't know uh, well, i'm gonna go pee because i've been holding it for like an hour okay we'll go pee you turn that pickle into a cucumber i'm just i'm seriously gonna i'm gonna do some work on that some, <laughs> i'm gonna go grab a mirror and just ride all over it all will hunting style <laughs> Okay, well, I will text you my address. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay, love you, bye. Love you, bye. Turn the lights down low.